Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. I just had in my spirit uh, this week as I was studying uh, for this night's service, and these words came to me, be still and know. So that will be the title of our message this evening, be still and know. And it's taken from Psalms 46 and verse 10, a very popular verse of scripture. But first, let's pray before we study God's word. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege of studying your word together tonight. We study it in the name of Jesus. And ask that your Holy Spirit give us ears to hear it, hearts to receive it, minds to be open to it. Change us by it from glory to glory. Conform us to the very image of Jesus. That we might walk in the light as he is in the light and represent you well here upon this earth. That we might hold forth the word of life to the generation that you've called us to. That we might lead many to the life-changing truths of the gospel. Father, for all of it, we'll give you the praise, honor, and glory that you deserve in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Praise God. 46 Psalm, verse 10. And this is what it says. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The psalm was written to give instruction to God's people. Whenever we face difficult situations, trials, tribulations, crisis, catastrophic events in life, God's word instructs us and tells us what to do so that we're not overwhelmed or overcome by fear. But it's up to us to find out exactly what God said so that we're not in a place of uncertainty, so that we're not insecure, so that we can walk in the realm of faith and know that God is on our side and he will deliver us and help us. Now, I realize that it was written for the nation of Israel, the sons of Korah, but it's also a revelation to us as to certain things that you and I can possibly do in order you know, to overcome. So we can apply these same truths to our lives as well as they could so that we can rise up above whatever it is that we're facing in this life. That verse, be still and know, verse 10. He wants the people to know it's time to quiet down, be still. We'll get to that a little bit later. But know that God is bigger and greater than any crisis we can possibly face. He's bigger than COVID-19. He's bigger than any sickness or disease. He's bigger than any situation that we can encounter in this life. And he wants us to know that. Why? So that we can face the crisis, not with fear and intimidation, but with a revelation of the God that we serve being on our side. And if God be for us, who can possibly be against us? So we're encouraged to do exactly what the psalmist said to do. Be still and know that we serve the living God. There's another word that's used here in this psalm psalm 46 with these 11 verses three times the songwriter says this selah 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 and basically it's a word that's not translated from the hebrew it's transliterated because what it really means is something like this stop 
reflect, think about, meditate upon what was just spoken or what was just sung. You remember, these are psalms. And the psalm was sung. They would sing a line and then sometimes they would stop and they would meditate. They would think about what was just sung or what was just said. And as I was looking this over and studying it, meditating upon it myself, I thought, I remember a song that was written or penned by Horatio Spafford called It Is Well With My Soul. And in the Christian circles, you know, many of us know what that psalm is all about or that song is all about. Sometimes people don't know, though, how it was written or what inspired it to be written and penned. But if you study the history of it, you know that Horatio Spafford, who wrote the song way back in the day, suffered the loss of his four daughters as they were traveling with their mother across the Atlantic Ocean to have a vacation in Europe. Along the trip, a barge ran into them to the boat, two o'clock in the morning, and within 12 minutes, it sunk three miles down in the Atlantic Ocean. And we are told that the mother, Anna, was spared. She was saved. She clung on to uh, a spar that was there, a mask that was in the water at the time, after being sucked down and then brought back up. But she was clinging on to it almost unconscious and then picked up into a lifeboat and spared. But the four daughters, which were ages three, seven, nine, and 11, perished in a moment of time. So you can imagine the crisis, the heartache, the pain this man experienced when he got word from his wife and she finally got to where her destination was and got back with him and let him know that their daughters, all four of them, just died. He then took the next ship that was out to go meet her there when he got across the Atlantic Ocean to a spot where they believed the ship went down. Now the story goes this way. Some say that's where he was inspired to pen the song, It Is Well With My Soul. Some say the inspiration may have come there, but he wrote it sometime afterwards in his home. Regardless, you can hear the words to the psalm. The song says, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. So imagine, imagine losing your four daughters in a moment of time, the sorrow, the heartache, and the pain. But because this man was a strong believer, a Presbyterian elder, a lawyer, businessman, because he trusted in God, he knew that he would see them on the other side in glory. After this event, he and his wife had three more children and even lost one of them uh, as an infant to a disease. So no matter what it is that we go through in this life, and we all face storms in this life, we know we can look to God. I never sing that song or hear that song sung without thinking about this incident that took place in this man's life and this mother's life. Because I can only imagine the heartache and the pain. But you know what? It makes me stop and think. When we hear these songs and sing some of these songs, the meaning is beyond words when I think about it. So the songwriter is saying here, think about what I'm about to say. Think about what I just said. Meditate on it. Stop. Listen. Let it digest. Embrace it. Feed on it. Let it become a reality to you. And as we are facing this pandemic that we're facing right now, there's nothing more important than to know that God is on our side and he's given us instructions so as to what we could do to see to it that we could rise up above it, be protected from it, and even overcome it if we were 
affected by it. Tonight in this psalm, Psalm 46, I want to share with you three things that the psalm writer said for us to think about, to meditate on. And they are number one, he talks about God's promise. Number two, he talks about God's presence. And number three, he talks about God's power. So let's begin number one with God's promise in Psalm 46 and verse one. Let's read the verse. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. The promises of God is right here. God, and the word for God is Elohim. And if you know your Bible, you go back to Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God, and the word is Elohim. God, it's really a plural word. God, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. So it's talking about the whole Godhead created the heavens and the earth. So wherever this word is found, you see it's talking about the Godhead. It's talking about the king. It's talking about the judge. It's talking about the savior of the world. And basically what he's trying to say is, look, no matter what situation you find yourself in, look to Elohim, the God, who is the creator God of heaven and earth and seeing all that in them is. And know this, he is on your side and he has promised to be your refuge. He's promised to be your strength and your help. But first of all, number one, he says, I'm your refuge. A refuge is an impenetrable shelter where people can run into and be safe from whatever the elements are out there. For example, if you go back to Y2K and you think about people were building shelters, taking water and generators down in those shelters, those places where they could be spared from any kind of uh, incident that would take place, that's a shelter. There's tornado shelters where people will go into places where they feel safe and secure. But our shelter is not a place. Our shelter is a person. Praise God, Elohim is our refuge. He's our hiding place. He's the one that will shelter us in the time of trouble. Look in the book of Psalms, chapter 9 and verse 9. And we'll look at a few verses here in the book of Psalms. The Lord is a shelter. This is from the New Living Translation. For the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. So really, we could say this. If I'm in trouble... It's basically a place where you know where you can be sheltered by the presence of God. You can run into him and be safe in him and not a physical place. Look at the Psalm 18 verses 1 through 3. And once again from the New Living Translation. I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me. And my place of safety. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise. And he saved me from my enemies. Praise God. So our shelter is not a place. It is a person. The living God. Then look at Psalm 142 and verse 5. This is from the New International Version. It says, I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. So praise God. He has promised to be a refuge to us. An impenetrable place where we could enter into and be safe. And then finally in the book of Pro Psalm 142 and verse 5. And then uh, look at Proverbs 18 verse 10. What it says. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. There is a place that we can run to. You know, sometimes when we hear bad news, we run to this place, we run to that place. But he's saying to us, we could run to him. And he'll become our refuge, our impenetrable shelter 
where he will protect us and keep us safe. Secondly, he said he's promised to be our strength. Whenever we are challenged in this life, sometimes we feel weak, sometimes defenseless, sometimes exhausted and hopeless. And it's like we're exerting all the energy that we have because of the situation that we're encountering. And we just need strength that goes beyond what we have. Well, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, God has promised to be our strength. But notice, there's a catch here. You've got to know that there's a manward side as a Godward side. We've got to do our part and God will do his part. But we have to do our part. But look at what it says. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But, and here it is, they that wait upon the Lord, those that intermingle with God, those that take time just to visit with Him, fellowship with Him, worship Him, study His Word and honor Him, they shall mount up with wings as eagles, they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Our part is to place ourselves in a position where we can draw from and absorb the very strength of God. How? By worshiping Him and blessing Him. And you might think, well, how does that really work? How can I get that kind of strength? Remember the Bible says we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. He infuses inner strength into our being. Well, think about this. You get strength and energy by the food that you eat. We may not know the whole process. It's called transmutation, but it does take place. And it provides energy and strength for us. But if we didn't eat for a long period of time, we'd get weak and overrun and run down. Well, for us spiritually to have strength, we've got to, once again, feed upon the Word of God, worship God, be in the presence of God, absorb from His strength in that place of His presence. And what takes place? He says it right there. There's an exchange of strengths that takes place. We give up ours for His, and we receive strength from Him, no matter what we're facing or what we're going through. The next one is, He's also promised to be our help. Thank God there is help in our time of need. He offers us his services and his resources and allows us to use them for our benefit. He also uh, provides for us anything necessary to make our job easier. In other words, he assists us. The word here, help. Look at in this verse, Isaiah 41 verse 10. And notice the word help that's there. It's a powerful word. Fear thou not, notice for I am, the great I am is with thee. Be not dismayed, discouraged, downtrodden. For I am your God. The great I am is our God. Notice, I will strengthen you. I will, and there's that word, help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Now we know what it means for him to strengthen us and uphold us. But the word help there, I like this meaning as I looked it up. It talks about how that I will offer you all the resources that I have to assist you. And if I don't have it, I will create it for you, whatever your need might be. Think about how powerful that is. Of course, God's going to have it. But if just in case it wasn't here, I'm going to create it for you so I can help you. So what are his promises? To be our refuge, to be our strength, to be our present help, no matter what we're going through. So what should we be doing at a time like this? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for being to me a refuge, my strength, and my help at this time when we're going through uh, the difficulties of the hour. I want to thank you for that. 
I praise you for protecting me from COVID-19. Thank you for keeping me safe, putting around me uh, uh, your, your arms of protection and love and favor, keeping me whole from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. I thank you for it. Okay, verse 2, let's read that. In Psalm 46 and verse 2, Therefore will not we fear. Notice, will not we fear. We're making a decision not to fear. And then he names some things. Though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. So therefore, in other words, if the landscape of the earth changes, if all these things take place, like all kinds of calamities, you've got an earthquake, you've got volcanic eruptions, you've got the mountains being cast into the middle of the sea, all these events taking place. In other words, he goes back to creation and says, in creation, God said, and all these things were created. But if something were to happen that all that was created all of a sudden changes, and it's like the bottom is falling out from beneath us, well, beneath us, praise God, are his everlasting arms to uphold us, to assist us, to help us. And so once again, he's describing all these calamities, but thank God, even if the landscape of the world falls apart, we will not fear. And then in verse 3, look at his promise again. It says, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. Once again, stop. Think about what I just said. Contemplate it. Mull over it. Even though the waters are roaring, what does that mean? It means everything is out of control. Things are chaotic. They're going crazy. Just like it is right now with COVID-19. People don't know what to do, where to go. It's really odd when you go into a store and you get a mask on the face, you think you're going to be held up or you're looking at a movie uh, sometime. What's going on all around us? And the odd thing is, we don't really know. Because back before when it was supposed to be even more serious, we didn't have to wear masks. Now we got to wear masks. Supposedly, it's coming down. The curve is coming down. We don't know. All we've got to do is what we're told to do. We understand that. But you know what? Our eyes shouldn't be on any of that. Our eyes should be on him. The one who can strengthen us, help us. The one who can also provide for us safety and protection. Look at verse, in this verse 3, what does he say? If the entire world is, let's say, affected by a pandemic, I need not fear Waters roaring. All kinds of calamity coming our way. It doesn't matter. Elohim is our refuge. He's our strength. And he's our help. Secondly, let's look at the fact that he is our presence. God's presence also is before us. Look at Psalm 46 and verse 4. God has promised his presence to be with us as well. There is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. Now, if you understand the layout of Jerusalem, then you'll know that there's no city that has no water, no river running by the city. It's just not there. But Babylon has the great river Euphrates. And Egypt has the great river, the Nile. Then you've got Rome that has the Tiber River flowing by it. Then you've got Pittsburgh. It's got the Monongahela, Allegheny, and the Ohio rivers right there where the city is built. You've got the great Mississippi with large cities built around the waterfront. We understand all that. But why then this big city, this great city of God, has no river flowing through it? 
Well, I'll tell you why. They may have all those mighty rivers, but praise God, Jerusalem has something better. It has the river of God's presence and the river of God's glory flowing through it. You don't need that waterfront when you've got God's glory manifested right there. God's like a mighty river. Look at, the, look at the verse 6, 5 and 6 together. God is in the midst of her. That's his presence. She shall not be moved. God shall help her. And that right early. The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The word here for God, the name of God is Elion. And what it means is he's the highest of all. And he's ever present. God's grace, in other words, flows through the city like a mighty river providing all the help that is necessary. We're talking about people that need help right now. You might go out and get them something, some food. You might get them some uh, medicine or whatever they might need. And you're being a help to them. And thank God we've got teams put together that we can assist people along the way. But think about what God is saying. He is there for Jerusalem. He is there for his people. And his grace flows through the city like a mighty river providing the help that is necessary for them to rise up above all their enemies and overcome. Look in the book of Psalms, the 36th Psalm, and look at verse 8 in the New Living Translation of the Bible. You feed them from the abundance of your house. Let them drink from your river of delights. Think about that. Oftentimes, Andrew and I will talk about what it's like on the other side in glory, and he'll say, boy, Dad, I can't wait to get up there and just taste Grandma's sauce once again. And he'll name out some other things. I hope there's good pizza there in heaven. Well, you think about God's delights. You think about all the pleasantries. You think about anything that we could possibly eat up there on the other side in glory. It has to be absolutely marvelous and wonderful. But here he's talking about providing the delicacies that they need here in this life. The abundance that they need to have a, an abundant life. Like Jesus said, I came to give you one. Think about when he took them to the promised land that flows with milk and honey and all the luscious fruits and vegetables and all that was there. God says, my grace flows like a mighty river through Jerusalem to provide for all the need. God's presence, God's glory, God's power is available to each and every one of us to meet those needs that we have. Notice what it says, I'll do it right early. Actually, what it meant was, I'll do it every morning. Every morning you'll be aware of the fact that my presence is there before you and my grace will flow into your life like a mighty river providing all the delights that you need in this life. What does that remind you of? Lamentations chapter 3 verses 22 and 23. I know you know it. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Start your day, not with that cup of coffee. Start your day with the mercies of Almighty God. He is faithful every morning to provide for us the mercy that we all need. And what is mercy? Not giving us what we deserve. We've all missed the mark. We've all made mistakes. We've all done things wrong from day to day. But aren't you glad every morning God's mercies are renewed every morning we could be kissed with the mercy of God and thank God just for the revelation of the fact that we are free as a result of it from guilt condemnation inferiority complexes and so on thank God for his mercies that are renewed every morning and then look at verse 7 verse 7 tells us the Lord of hosts another name for God is with us 
the God of Jacob is our refuge. And once again, the word Selah. Think about this. Jehovah Sabaoth, Sabaoth means the Lord of the angels' armies. In other words, all the hosts of heaven are ready and available to be used on our behalf. Like the scripture says in the book of Hebrews, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them that are the heirs of salvation? You realize we're surrounded by angels every single day of our lives? I'll never forget when I first came here 40 years ago. It's hard to imagine that. But um, just minding my own business, going down to IGA at the store downtown Midland, walking back home, bringing some groceries home. Sometimes I have a little one under my arm and that sort of thing. And one of our individuals here at the church uh, said, one of his friends had come up to him and just said, uh, hey, why is it that your pastor has to walk through town with these two bodyguards? And he said, my, my pastor doesn't have a bodyguard. Oh, I saw these two right next to him, tall, big. I don't have bodyguards. I believe God opened up his eyes to see some angels. And others have seen angels above the house that we were living in. And so you see, we need to open up our eyes to the reality that there's a spiritual world that's out there and it's a real world. We've got angels that are ministering for us because we are the heirs of salvation. And the Lord, who is the host of all heaven, says they're ready to assist you in whatever it is you need. Look at the book of Exodus chapter 33. In this verse, we have a verse that Luther used by inspiration to write the song, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Here's what it says. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. That Psalm 46 was the psalm that he used to write that mighty fortress is our God song. So, his presence going before us guarantees us that we're surrounded by his favor. And there's no force that can penetrate the protective hand of God that's upon us. His presence will go before us as it did before Moses and bring deliverance, help, whatever you need. Wholeness, well-being, soundness of mind, victory, healing. Let the list go on and on. God's presence going before us guarantees our success. Hallelujah. It's not you and your power. It's not me, my ability. It's not even what we know. It's yielding ourselves to the living God, having an intimate relationship with Him, walking with Him, and allowing Him to do everything He promised to do for us in this life. And finally, that brings us to God's power. Psalm 46 and verse 8. Let's look at it. Come, behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he hath made in the earth. Praise God. Behold means to perceive. It means to peer into, look into, spy out, to gaze upon intently, to observe fully with expectations. In other words, we're to look at something in such a way says to absorb what we're looking at. To absorb from what we're seeing and beholding. Someone once said, tell me what you're beholding and I'll tell you what you're becoming. The thing that you keep on looking at, looking into, gazing upon endlessly is what you are going to become and eventually turn into. So God is saying, look, why are you looking at all this when you can look at me? Gaze upon me with expectation. Look at my works, my mighty power, and my glory. And look what I've done in the scriptures. 
and for my people. If you recall the story in the book of Numbers and also in the book of Psalms, it reiterates it. The Israelites came out of Egypt by the mighty hand of God. There were mighty works that were displayed of his power. You know the ten plagues? You saw that. He brings them to the wilderness to the Red Sea. We see the sea part. They walk on dry land. They get to the other side. And what do they need? Water. What do they do? They forget his mighty works. Psalm 78 says. They forgot all the works he did for them back then. As he brought them out. And because they forgot his works. He said to them. How long is it going to be? Before you believe my word. You saw my signs. You saw my works. You saw my wonders. My displays of power. And now you need water. And you think I can't provide it for you. Doesn't it remind you. After Jesus got done. Feeding the 5,000. And then one time. Then the 4,000 the other time. With a little boy's lunch. Then they get into a little boat or ship. And they go, try to go across the sea. And Jesus says something to them. And they say. He's mad at us because we didn't bring bread. And he said. What's the matter with you? You saw me. Feed all these people with one little boy's lunch. And you got this little bit of bread. And you think I'm hollering at you for that. Upset with you for that. What's the matter with you? How easy it is for human beings to forget the wonderful works of God. Remember the psalmist said in Psalm 103. Forget not all his benefits. Why did he say that? He said to his soul. Bless the Lord O my soul. All that is within me. Bless his holy name. Don't forget he forgives all our sins. He heals all our diseases. He redeems our life from destruction and so on. But don't forget it. Why? Because when you're in the trial, when you're in the situation, it's easy to forget. Because we're letting our feelings and emotions take charge over our lives. Which is why David said in Psalm 133, we got to be weaned from them. Or 131. We've got to be weaned from our emotions and don't let them control our lives. Easier said than done we know that look at verse 9 God wants us to behold his mighty works he wants us to think about it meditate upon it know that what he's done in the past he'll do today he's the same always he makes wars to cease unto the end of the earth he breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder he burneth the chariot in the fire the broken bow is of no value to the warrior it does him no good I want you to know something Jesus broke the chains that bind us. Jesus set the captives free. We're to focus on the fact that he delivered us from the realms of darkness and translated us into his kingdom of love. And he has defeated the enemy for us. We don't defeat him. He defeated the enemy for us. We overcome the world by our faith. And our faith is in what he did, not what we can do. Our faith is not in ourselves. Our faith is in the living God and the finished work of Christ and all that he has done for us by the power of the Holy Spirit to make it a reality in our lives. We declare what the word says and God watches his word. He makes it good on our behalf. He has destroyed the power of the enemy. And you know what? We've been set free and who the son sets free is free indeed. So no weapon formed against us can prosper. And I do believe this is a demonic thing behind this COVID-19. No matter how you want to cut the mustard, how you want to look at it, it is the powers of darkness behind it. Every time we come up with a cure for a sickness or a disease, the enemy comes up with another concoction of a sickness or a disease. Why? To destroy us, to challenge us. You know his plan. Kill, steal, and destroy. 
But Jesus came to give life and that more abundantly. And even though God has made himself available to us, remember this. The gospel message does not benefit or profit anyone who doesn't mix faith with it. We've got to believe. God's bigger than COVID-19, but we just can't intellectually say that. We've got to know that right here in the heart and declare it. God is my refuge. God is my strength. God is my high tower. Praise God. God is my help. He's working on my behalf right now, manifesting his presence in my life and his power in my life. Uh, look now, verse 10. Verse 10 says, and this is our primary verse, be still and know something. Know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I'll be exalted in the earth. You know what the word be still, those two words really mean? Drop your weapons. Set them down. You won't be needing them. You can't win this battle in your own strength. So stop. We've heard the expression, let go and let God. Drop whatever it is that you're trying to use to overcome and let God take over. Remember the days of Jehoshaphat when the prophet said, you don't need to fight in this battle. The battle's the Lord's. The victory is yours. Let him do it. Believe that he's gone before you. Look in the book of Psalms, chapter 37, verse 7. And this is from the New Living Translation. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Notice this. He wants us to know that God is on our side. We want, he wants us to know that God is getting ready to act. You believe that? He's getting ready to act right now. So acknowledge it. Comprehend it. Discover it. Intimately fellowship with him until that truth is built up in the inside of us. If we want to know him experientially, then we've got to know him relationally. We've got to know him as our father, as our God, as our soon coming king of kings and lord of lords, as our mighty fortress, as our refuge and strength. We've got to know him as our helper. If you recall the verse in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6, this is from the latter part of verse 5 and then verse 6. From the Amplified Bible, it says, He hath said, I will not, I will not, I will not in any way leave you or forsake you, not by any degree that you may boldly say, The Lord's my helper, I will not fear what man shall do unto me. We need to know him. That's his character. That's his nature. That's his attitude toward us. And praise God, he's on our side. Now we go to verse 11. And we summarize the whole psalm. This is what he's talking about. This is what he wants us to say, to think about, to reflect on. Look at the verse in verse 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. So whatever it is that we're facing in this life, whatever it is that we're going through in this life, we need to know this. God's got us covered. He's on our side. Our refuge. Our strength. Our help. He provides his presence. His power. Everything that we need to succeed and overcome. He defends us and fights for us and goes before us. We can trust him to spring into action no matter what it is that we need for him to do for us. And he says, look, just look to me. I am your hiding place. As the 91st Psalm says, if you dwell in the secret place of the Most High and abide under the shadow of the mighty, you can say of the Lord, he's my refuge, my fortress, my God, and in him do I trust. 
Surely he'll deliver me from the snare of the fowler, from the noisome pestilence. He'll cover me with his feathers, and under his wings will I trust. His shield is, is my shield and buckler. His truth is my shield and buckler. I'm not afraid of the terror by night, or the arrow that flies by day, or the pestilence that walks in darkness, or the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand will fall at my side, ten thousand at my right hand. It will not come nigh to me. What boldness, what confidence. Only with my eyes will I see and behold the reward of the wicked. But because I made the Lord God my refuge, even the most high my habitation, there shall no evil befall me or any plague, COVID-19 or anything come near my dwelling. He gives his angels charge over me to keep me in all my ways. They bear me up in their hands, lest I dash my foot against a stone. I will tread upon the lion and adder. Young lion and dragon, I'll trample beneath my feet. And because I set my love upon him. Notice this. I set my love upon you. I fixed my love upon you. I completely pour myself out into you. Because I set my lo love upon you. You will deliver me and set me on high because I know your name. When I call upon you, you will answer me. You'll be with me in trouble. You'll deliver me and honor me. With long life, you'll satisfy me and show me your great, your glorious salvation. Your saving strength. Praise God. What promises? What provision? In the midst of this challenge... In the midst of any challenge, what we need to do is thank God. Thank God for your promise. Thank God for His presence. Thank God for His power that He allows us to tap into in our time of need. So thank God it's not our strength, it's His strength. Some trust in chariots, we're told. Some trust in horses. He's talking about warfare. Chariots and horses. you got mighty men of valor going forth in all the strength of their might. To do battle, to do war with an enemy. And they trust in their chariots. They trust in their horses. But you know what? I look in the, back in the days of Asa, I discovered this. That with a small group of people, they killed millions. Why? Because they weren't trusting in chariots. They weren't trusting in horses. They remembered the name of the Lord their God. And he defended them and fought for them. And overcame the enemy. I remember a man named Samson. With a jawbone of a mule. He killed 1,000 Philistines that were against him. That's beyond human. That's strength beyond human scope. Why would we want to limit ourselves to what we can do? Our strength, our ability, our power, when we could look to him and tap into his. Remember in the book of uh, Jeremiah chapter 9, 24 and 25 that it says, if a man's going to boast, don't boast in your wisdom, don't boast in your riches, and don't boast in your strength. Because no matter how strong we think we are, how wise we think we are, how, how rich we are or are not, it doesn't matter. You want to boast, he said, boast that you know me, the living God. That I'm on your side, I'm with you, I'm in you, I'm for you, and I will do for you what you can't do for yourself. Praise God, I can't begin to tell you how many miracles I've experienced in my life and seen in our family and in our lives. Miracles, signs, wonders that go beyond human scope. Praise God as a result of believing God is who he says he is and does what he says he will do. For he's not a man to lie nor the son of man to repent. If he said it, he will do it. If he spoke it, he'll make it good. And you know what? He did speak it. He said, I have blessed you and who I blessed cannot be cursed. We're all blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And who he blesses cannot be cursed. So guess what? If we are blessed and we can't be cursed and it can't be changed and God can't lie, we can't be cursed with COVID-19. We can't be cursed with whatever it is the enemy wants to bring our way. 
We're not walking in the curse. We're walking in the blessing. And so together we believe God for his hand to be upon all of us to provide for us all that we need to succeed. And so, Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.